Welcome to Peaceful Ease. We all have the necessary strength and wisdom to solve most of our problems. What we often lack is a quiet space to think clearly and calmly. This podcast is all about tapping into that zone of inner wisdom. My name is Mario Pereca, and I'd like to invite you to join myself and Ela Crane every Monday and Friday. We'll be here to guide you to that endless power and insight within until you learn how to get there and function from there by yourself. This is a journey about being authentic, learning how to trust your instincts, realizing that each and every one of us are not just enough, but also perfect the way we are right now. Hey everyone, Mario Pereca here, and I am joined by Ela Crane, and we'd like to welcome you to the Peaceful East podcast. As always, you can get in touch with us. We'd love for you to call in, share with us your thoughts, your ideas, any questions, anything you'd like to share with Ela, 424-625-5562 is that number. You can also email us, podcast at peacefulease.com, and check us out online. Peacefulease.com is the website. And we'd also like to ask you, if you really love the podcast and you've been listening to it, and maybe this is the first time you've listened to it, but if you listen to it and you love it, we'd love for you to go to iTunes and give us a great rating and review. So just Go to iTunes, find Peaceful Ease there if you're not listening to it there right now, and give us a rating and a review, and we would sincerely, sincerely appreciate that. It helps us get the podcast out to more people, and that's why we're doing this so that we can take the message of Peaceful Ease to as many people as possible, and we can all come together and experience Peaceful Ease. So we just wanted to throw that in there for you to go ahead and give us a great rating and review. Ela, what's up? I'm good, Mario. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm excited for this episode. We have a great topic to continue on with. And I'm glad that you brought to our attention, continuing with the topic of love. Yeah. And if you haven't heard the previous episode, please go back and listen to it because we talked about what love isn't. And in this episode, we are going to talk about the eight types of love according to the ancient Greeks. So I think there are more types than I could come up at once. But that's a lot of types. That's what we are going to discover, yeah. <laughs> and in fact, I wanted to ask you how many types of love you could just come up with like that. So I don't know if I remember exactly, because this was back in the day, but I know going to Catholic school as a child, they taught us these different types of love. And the one that stands out to me in my mind is the agape love, mm-hmm. which I believe is the love kind of between God and people, is what we were taught. But I remember being in church, and I remember a priest talking about love. He has a whole sermon dedicated to love, and it really stands out. And I remember him describing specifically three types of love. And it was, I love you because, I love you in spite of, and God's type of love, which is I love you no matter what. Yeah. And so there were those three different types, and he gave them the names, and I remember the agape was one of the three. But it's something that's always been super interesting to me on how the different dynamics of love. So I'm sure that you're going to explain it even deeper with the eight types and get into it, so I'm really excited to hear more about it. But, of course, the ones that come to mind just as a human being are the love between you and your family, your mother and your father. Mm -hmm. That's the first love you experience. Then the love between you and like your friends, love between you and a significant other, love between you and a pet, love between a parent and child. Those are all different types that come to mind for me right off the top. 
Yeah, and I like your kind of description of it. Like, I love you because I love you despite of I love you no matter what. That's also a very clear distinction. And in some ways, you know, it's kind of just this mind work to sit down and talk about love because I was thinking, wow, the ancient Greeks sat down to analyze and classify love into eight different types instead of like maybe spending that time loving one another. Who knows, you know? Yeah, I mean, they were really focused in on it because it's an important thing. And I think you said in yesterday's episode, it comes down to we are love. Mm -hmm. And so when you realize that we are love at the core, it becomes important to understand those different types of love because love is love, but there are different ways in which we can feel it, express it, experience it. And I think that's what's important. Yeah. And I think understanding these types kind of broadens our perspective, you know. So I would like to start with what you just mentioned, the familiar love, they call it. This is more like a parent-child relationship. So it's not physical or sexual, but there's a strong bond and kinship and familiarity between people. And actually, when I was reading this book, The Circle of Safety Intervention, which we did an episode about this book, where we talked about children and safe attachment to parents, how young children actually need that safe attachment. There was a line in that book that really touched me. The author said that our first love is with our parents and probably with our mothers specifically. And when that relationship is not safe, then it becomes our first disappointment. It becomes our first heartbreak. And that's so true. I never thought of that in that way, but it is our first relationship on this planet with our parents. Now, a question for you when it comes to that. I've heard, I believe I mentioned this in a previous episode, when it comes to psychology, I've read that we love our parents because they loved us first. Do you think that's true? Do you think that there's just something inherent when you're born, you automatically love your parents, and then if you don't get that love back, that's when it starts to, that dynamic shifts? Yeah, very good question. And there was a kind of answer to this question in the book. And it was interesting. It puzzled me. So I remember it very clearly. It said, up until the sixth month, a baby would accept love and attention from anyone. So from the grandparents, from the neighbors, anyone could pick up the baby or tickle and like the baby would respond fine. But around the seventh month, something happens and the baby becomes very selective and just lets one person's attention in, in a way. And the book didn't explain why this happens. And to me, it seemed like an interesting coding by evolution. Like, why would that be? Is it better to put our bets in one person? But then if something goes wrong with that person, then we suffer. And then I remembered when I think it was Hillary Clinton who visited some kind of small village somewhere in Africa and said, it takes a village to raise a child, you know. And I thought, hmm, interesting. I wonder if this attachment issue, or if it's an issue, like the pattern mentioned in this book was like really a Western pattern, or if it's just universal that around the seventh month, we somehow become more selective. But I also thought, isn't it a better kind of bet if we accept love from multiple sources? Why is this narrowing down happening? And I'm not sure of that. I couldn't find an answer to it so far. 
So it's one person. So between the mother and father, the child selects one. It's between like anyone, like even the grandparents are apparently around the seventh month. The child would be like crying if the grandparents pick him up. So something changes and it seems like a coding that happens throughout across different that, cultures. That's so interesting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if anyone is listening to this and they know why and how, and if there's a ration to this, please share with us. I'll bring this up just because I just read this and I don't know if it has anything to do with what we're talking about, but it made me think of it. I was reading an article the other day about how puppies select a favorite person and it doesn't have <laughs> to be the actual caretaker. <laughs> they don't really know what there's certain factors that build into it, but they don't know why. So like you could be the one that takes care of the puppy that's with them all the time. But then say when your brother comes over or your sister or someone, they see them, they get super excited and they just want to go play with them and hang out with them. Mm. They'll always come back to you because they need to be taken care of and fed. Uh -huh. But there's that one person <laughs> they have that's their favorite. And they said it could be from a playful perspective. It could be from a nurturing perspective. It could be from something that happened to them that they were protected by or had fun at a certain time. They don't really quite know, but they do recognize that there's a favorite person. Yeah. And that kind of translates. It's not that they don't love you any more or less, but they have someone that just gets them super excited to be around and to hang out with. Yeah, I think many dog owners would agree with this somehow. They also change depending on whom they are interacting with, right? So it's like if it's you feeding them, then they're very nice to you when they're hungry. But if your partner or your parents or someone is playing with them only and then they know how to act when that person is around. So it's very interesting to observe. Yeah. But anyway, I don't know if that's a different type of love or if that's just instinct. But <laughs> <I thought it's laughs> uh, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't have children, so I couldn't tell. But I think it's very close as it gets to kind of raising children, I assume. But I, I only imagine like it being even more intense because it's just genetically you're coded to take care of what you create. Yeah. And it's also crime-wise too, it's between siblings or like people who share the same genes. It's, it's very rare to have this extremely violent crimes, but between partners, it's very common. Yeah, that's true. I never thought of that, but you're absolutely, now that I think about it, uh, yeah. Yeah, we are coded to protect our genes in a way. And yeah. Very interesting. We have a list of eight to get through, and I think we've only gotten yeah. through one so far. <laughs> That's right. So the second one is affectionate love, or called philia in Greek. And uh, this kind of love is what you feel towards your friends. And according to the ancient Greeks, this kind of love is much better than sexual love because it represents two people who kind of have feelings for each other in equal terms. So these people are equal and they kind of respect and love each other somewhat equally. And they also include a platonic love, like we call it today, is like where we love someone without the sexual act, but there's some admiration. So it's also included under this love, which to me is interesting. It could easily be a separate distinction, I believe. From there, we move on to ludus, which is playful love. And this is the infatuation we feel in early days of romance. So if you've ever been in love before, you know what I'm talking about. It's the butterflies in your stomach, really, or feeling like you never want to leave the sight of that person. 
And there are some scientific studies where they see the patterns of this kind of love when people feel this playful love. They're very similar to being on drugs, apparently. So there's some addictive aspect to this, and it can explain why some people just fall in love with one person after another. And they never have the patience to watch the relationship grow or take care of the relationship. Because this is where things are very exciting and addictive. And next is the romantic love, Eros, which is named after the Greek god of love and fertility. And it's usually associated with romantic, passionate, physical love. It's really an expression of sexual passion and desire. And the Greeks were apparently fearful of this kind of love because it can create kind of, it can do a lot of harm if it goes wrong. It's the kind of love that you have not so much control and yet you are very vulnerable and open. And even in modern days, I think some people can relate to this cautiousness. And when things do go wrong, comes the fifth type of love, which is called mania, actually, obsessive love. So it's not necessarily a good type. Uh, it's the type that can lead you into jealousy or anger and drive you mad. So when the romantic love goes downhill, this is what you experience, a kind of downfall that is followed by generally low self-esteem and a broken heart. But when the romantic love goes right, then you enter a phase called enduring love or pragma. And this is almost like the opposite of sexual love. So this is what you see with old couples who've been married, who've been together since their teenage years, and they still hold hands, you know, which is beautiful. I love seeing that. And this is what it is, enduring love. This is what they call pragma. And unlike the romantic love, it doesn't burn out so quickly because it's not about passion or intensity. It's more like a matured love that people have created and developed over a long time. And these days, I think it's kind of rare to find, especially in today's fast-paced society, because I think we mostly lack the patience to watch love grow over time. It takes effort. It takes patience to let the relationship mature, if you like. I think options have a lot to do with that too. Not to sound shallow, but I mean, we're more connected than ever today. I mean, we're more connected, but at the same time, we're more disconnected. We're connected in the way in which we can hop on an app and meet someone new or hop on an app and find someone or have a conversation, but we, we really don't get to that level of connection that we used to. And, you know, I think it's options because when you're with someone at the first sign of trouble these days, you start thinking the grass could be greener. So I'm just going to go and find someone else. Back 30, 40, 50 years ago, that wasn't really an option. It was like you find someone. Most people were introduced through people that knew each other through mutual friends. They would meet. They would get to know each other. And you would make it work because that's the way society was back then. And even if it didn't work, you didn't have a lot of options. You would go out and maybe meet someone or maybe someone would introduce you to someone else. But if it didn't work, you were probably going to be alone for a while. Nowadays, if you break up with someone, 
you can be with someone else the following day just from hopping on an app. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's just so many options. So, I think that has a lot to do with the rewiring of society and the way that people think and not making that commitment to figure it out and make things work. I think people jump ship a lot earlier than they used to. And I'm not saying it's good, bad, right, or wrong. I just think that there's more options and people look at it that way. Yeah, the grass is always greener on the other side. And the downside of this, so it comes up with ups and downs like everything else. The upside is like maybe you just keep the excitement up, you know, that you meet new people and there are so many options you could never get bored. But then the downside is like you miss out on that enduring love. You know, it changes so much. And it doesn't mean it changes, becomes less or rigid. It just is different. So in some ways, by being kind of bombarded with options, we miss out on the opportunity to experience what love is like when it's mature. I agree. I think that, yeah. Now, I'm not saying if you're in an abusive relationship or if it really doesn't feel right or if you're super miserable that you should stay there and try to make it work. But I think that we're very, very quick these days mm -hmm. to jump mm -hmm. to the next thing. Yeah. Because we have the option to. And like you said, it's exciting at the time, but you miss out on what could be. Yeah. It's like you miss out on experiencing different shades of love. So it's like you're limited to seeing just the tones of yellow and you don't know what it is like to see blue or green or something. It's just a kind of experience that you're missing out. And if you're in an abusive relationship also, that's not love. We covered that, I think, last episode. So just to clarify, it's good for, I think, our listeners to define what's not love for them and then listen to this episode to understand what it could be like, because it's hard to define. I don't think there will be one universal description of love where everyone would agree. So it's good to find out for ourselves what we need and what kind of love we are after. To just finish off with enduring love. So this type of love doesn't require a lot of effort in a relationship because generally the people know each other really well. And they've managed to survive so much already so that there's this very close partnership. It's like partners for life. And they are good at making compromises often. And this kind of love happens also when both people put equal efforts into the relationship. So if one is constantly making kind of extra effort, it's not really enduring love. That will collapse sooner or later. So it's very important to remember that each party should put equal efforts to make the other person happy. I remember when it was explained to me that I thought was interesting. It was when it comes to a relationship, it starts off typically as I love you because, right? I love you because you're beautiful. I love you because you're funny. I love you because I feel attracted to you. I love you because then as time goes by and you get to know the person and you spend a lot of time with them, it becomes I love you in spite of. I love you in spite of the fact that you don't clean up after yourself as much as I would like. I love you in spite of the fact that you're beginning to get older and lose your good looks. I love you in spite of the fact that, you know, 
you snore at night, <laughs> things like that. And then over time, as it matures, it becomes, I love you no matter what. Yeah. Because if I can love you in spite of those things, then it doesn't matter what happens. There's just that always ever present love. And I think that's where it gets to what you're kind of describing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And there's a scientific explanation for this too. I remember from my studies at University College London that we start a relationship with a global focus where we are focused on like the very generic aspects of the other person and we find similarities between that person and us. Oh, we are the same like that. Oh, we have the same whatever star sign or we have the same characteristics. We are both like this. And as we kind of get into a relationship, our focus naturally changes to local, where we start to see differences. And then we notice that, oh, I thought you were like this, because what we are doing is like we are looking at what's similar and projecting the rest. So here comes the disappointments as we change our focus to more local, detailed aspects of that person. But like you said, if he can see the differences and say, I love you despite, then yes, you can move on to the final stage where I love you no matter what is experienced. And it's harder to see those things at the beginning, right? Because as you yeah. said, it's almost like a high. So even if you see something that isn't attractive or that you don't think, you'll tell yourself things to cover that up because you don't want to lose that mm -hmm. high, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And next comes self-love. And most people associate self-love with being narcissistic, egotistic, or selfish, or stuck on themselves. But this kind of love is like actually what enables you to share love with another, because how could you not love yourself yet love somebody else? That's not really possible. And that's when people talk about like finding your other half. I'm always cautious of this phrase because you shouldn't feel like you're a half anyway. You should be like, okay, I'm a whole person and I love this person as he is or she is as much as possible. And I know none of us are perfect, but we don't need to be perfect to deserve our own love and then have that with another. And that is what creates this enduring love or romantic love. But the self-love is like the basis to that. You can think of it as self-compassion, if you like, and the fact that we deserve as much affection and love as others. So why not start with ourselves? And finally comes the agape, you mentioned, unconditional love. And some people will describe it as spiritual love. It's very altruistic, selfless and unconditional. And like you mentioned, people think Jesus exhibited this kind of selfless love for all humanity. And I think it's kind of only a few of us can experience such feelings, but it sounds something we can aspire to. Well, I think we can all have those feelings between us and creator if we have the belief that there is something bigger and something guiding us. Mm -hmm. Because if there is an all-loving, ever-present God, universe, grace, whatever you want to call it, whatever label you give it, then you know that no matter what you do, there's still that love present, right? No matter what happens, you can still come back to that. And that's something that, you know, a lot of people, when I talk about the Catholic faith, and I'm not defending it or saying it's right, wrong, good or bad, any of that, but when people talk about it a lot, they talk about sin and the fact that, you know, you have to go to confession and sin this and sin that, and you're always focused on what you do wrong. 
But on the other side of that sin is the fact that there's this agape love between the Creator who is all-forgiving and all-loving and all-knowing and our free choice. Mm -hmm. So I think that we can all experience it if we focus on the fact that if you believe there is a higher power and you believe it is an all-loving, all-forgiving, all-giving being or entity or whatever you want to call it, then you can experience that type of love if you allow yourself to feel it because it does exist. Yeah. You just have to create that awareness of it. Mm-hmm. And that's what ties us all together, right? And that's what we are at our core. We're a piece of that. So I believe that you know God is love. And this is just my belief. God is love. And we all have a piece of God within us. That's why we're able to create. That's why we have that feeling that we want to make things. We want to do things. We want to, And that's what ties us all together. And that's what makes us all the same because we all come from the same place. Yeah. Like we said during the last episode, we are all love. And here in this episode, we expressed eight types. Perhaps there are even more types of this love that we are. And as an exercise, as a practice, I encourage our listeners to think what types of love you're not expressing fully, what's missing, what's lacking within, what kind of shades are stuck inside and not really radiating through you, because love comes in different shades. Thank you so much for running us through that list. It's a great practice to think about, something great exercise that you just gave us to Think about the different types of love and how we can both allow ourselves to experience them and also share them with other people is a great way of putting it, I think. So thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to picking it up on the next episode. Thank you, Mario. I want to thank everyone for listening. For Ela Crane, I'm Mario Pereca. Don't forget to go give us a good rating and review in the iTunes store. And we'll talk to you on the very next episode of the Peaceful Ease podcast. Thank you for listening to the Peaceful Ease Podcast. If this episode resonated with you, please share it with friends and family. Remember, the bigger the support, the more fun the journey becomes. If you'd like to get in touch with Ela, you can reach out to her at peacefulease.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Until next time, be kind to yourself.